All right. Uh, first of all, happy 4th of July weekend when we're recording this and we'll release on Monday, July 6th. How's it going, guys? Doing all right. How, how about you, Alan? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good to see you. Uh, Logan, I love your background. I appreciate it. Thought it was appropriate. And thank you for having us. You bet. You bet. So uh, you and I, you all have, have been uh, part of our, our, our whiskey journey and our, our whiskey chat and having a good uh, conversation about cigars and whiskeys and whatnot. And I've learned a lot from you both already. You are the resident experts on the Kogan conversation when it comes to whiskey. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate your input. But obviously, we're going to talk about lots of stuff. We have some fun uh, Americana trivia, and we're going to go through the citizenship test, maybe uh, figure out if we can figure it out while drinking whiskey. But what is in your glass tonight? What are you guys drinking? Nick, why don't you go? All right. Well, in my glass, I've got some Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. It's one of my favorite ryes. Coming from a Scotch person like myself, uh, I, I really love getting all those different flavors from the whiskey, and the, the blend of just a little bit of port in the Dark Rye here is really, really great. All right. I'm actually drinking a port finish as well, so I'm drinking the uh, Isaac Bowman, uh, the port finish coming out of the coming from Bowman Brothers. Uh, pretty fantastic. I'm a huge fan, and figured something from Virginia, something from the colonies, was appropriate for today. So between that and the fact that it's named after a guy who was a uh, militia captain in the Revolutionary War, militia officer. I'm not sure if he was a captain or not, but figured it was perfectly appropriate. Perfect. Perfect. I it just opened. Uh, the new courage and conviction from the Virginia Distillery Company. Um, I picked this up when I first moved here. Uh, I'm in I'm in Fairfax, Virginia, and I thought this is a new release. It's a little pricier, but it it, it looks really interesting. It's a sherry cask finished, so I'm uh, really interested to see what this tastes like. So uh, I'm gonna pour this. But in the meantime, uh, just to make something fun and interesting, uh, name your favorite part about 2020. Because something positive, because so far 2020 has been the absolute worst piece of shit year in the world. <laughs> uh, so we live in the best country, most free country in the world as as of now <laughs> until we get uh, mandates for masks to be worn. But favorite part of 2020, what has happened positively in your life so far? Uh, my favorite part of 2020 has definitely been, uh, Alan, you already said we're all part of a, a whiskey chat and a cigar chat. And really, that's been my favorite part of 2020, because like you said, it's been a rough time. And being able to get on a Zoom call or a video chat with two, three, four of us a couple times a week has really been a, a highlight and, and really stress relieving during this time. I am in total agreement. Zoom chats have been awesome. Um, I'd be lying if I said that was my best part of my 2020. Um, I actually had my third child on april 24th of this year so gabriel ted was born and said it's definitely had been the highlight it's been a big stress reliever for me some added stress in other aspects however see the light in every the end of every tunnel so it's good well congrats man that's awesome yeah absolutely congratulations how old are the other two so i now have a little girl that just turned three a boy that's 18 months and gabriel's our youngest Awesome. You'll have your hands full pretty soon, and hence, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, hence the need for whiskey drinking. Exactly. It's become <laughs> more of a hobby as the kids have started stacking up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I just I just took a sip of this uh, 
courage and conviction. I, Logan, I know you you were really interested about this because I, you've been hunting this down. But it is, it smells and tastes just like a scotch. Mm. It it's 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 very smooth. It's uh, a little sweet in the back end. It's kind of like berries and, um, but it's kind of where that sherry comes in. But it it tastes just like a a, a, a high quality scotch, which is really interesting. But it's good. And that's fantastic. And that's what I'm enjoying that very few small amount of the distilleries around America are starting to do. You look at distilleries like Westland and Balconis and even Isaac Bowman and I think Angel's Envy really started the huge trend of finally taking out the idea of it has to be pure. It has to be single malt and looking at the single malt from Scotland or like it has to be Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It can't be finished. And starting to get rid of those nuances and it's developing all these new flavors that are coming into American whiskey that scotch has been doing for years. I mean, you can't quite keep up with scotch yet on that front, but I'm thinking it's starting to get there because this Bowman is fantastic. It's sweet, but it's not overly so. It's not syrupy, but you still get a lot of those dark fruit notes. And I'm very excited that a lot of American distillers are starting to pick up on it. Yeah, no, I, I, I Hey, in, in the name of 4th of July weekend, uh, I'm glad America is finally catching up to the scotch game. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny because whiskey uh, is such an interesting part of American history, right? I mean, the whiskey rebellion part of part of the first the first squabble over taxation was because of whiskey here in the States. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whiskey, of course, is not purely American, but, you know, a lot of distillers learned how to distill from, you know, the European countries after before they came over here and and the colonies. But I mean, whiskey Kentucky bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, we have our own take on it. It's pretty interesting. I, I love the history and how it intertwines with our uh, our growth as a nation, including Prohibition, which is a very dark time in our uh, <laughs> alcoholic life. <laughs> yes, but presented some of the best recipes that are starting to make their way back out, so I'm a huge fan. That's it worked out for us now. And somebody up here, Great Lakes Distillery, who actually I have, uh, I'm drinking out of a Glencairn glass from Great Lakes Distillery Branding. Uh, every year they do a repeal de rye, uh, which I have yet to get my hands on, but I plan on running down to the distillery up here in Milwaukee this repeal day in November for uh, for a bottle of that, finally. Mm-hmm. And that's been awesome because that's been another wave of experimentation along with bringing in new ideas where America's kind of taken off on the forefront. They're bringing some old ideas from Scotch, but the way they're experimenting with yeast strains and different types of barley, different types of wheat, different types of corn—it's it's a whole new ball game, and I'm loving all the new directions they're taking it. Yeah, it's it's fun because I I I'm not a big beer drinker, but I love a craft brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of craft distillers are popping up that it, it's it's branching off from the normal, you know, this the basic bourbons, the basic whiskeys. Uh, I love it. It's interesting. Yeah. Them. Like I said, I started with for me is that started with Four Roses. It's been really cool. They had their different yeast strains and different uh, grains and different recipes they put out in their single barrels every year, and you could taste the subtle differences even with the yeast they put into each different batch. So, so since I thought we would have fun talking about some American trivia and whatnot. We have whiskey. We're gonna keep going back and forth. The whiskey. We have. I know we have a couple backup bottles to, to maybe talk about later down the road. But um, how uh, how strong are you guys on American history and uh, the founding fathers? <laughs> well, you know me. My one class of American history back in high school, eight years ago, 
really <laughs> drove it home for me. <laughs> like that that good old public American education. Mm-hmm. I would love to say I'm more knowledgeable than I am, but I feel like whatever questions are about to pop up are going to test me more than I hope they would. So we'll see how that goes. Well, so I, I'm actually on the site that, what is it, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services uh, from Department of Homeland Security, they have, a, it's 100 civics about uh, history and government questions and answers for the naturalization test. I think this is a study guide. I don't, I don't think this is the actual test. But so if you want to become naturalized as a citizen of this country, this is what you have to take. And I, I, I've often wondered, is it a good idea for us to force high schoolers to like as part of graduation, you have to pass this test? <laughs> probably not, because it probably lower the graduation rates quite a bit. <laughs> well, OK, so off the top of your head, uh, what number president was Abraham Lincoln? 16. <laughs> Nick, did I, you know that? I, I don't even have a guess. <laughs> it's 16 he was the 16th president <laughs> uh all right let's i'm just gonna pull a random one up let's see what we uh this is gonna go well <laughs> uh let's see under the constitution some powers belong to the federal government but what is one power uh that the federal government uh does not have when you're talking about power, because you have the individual states' laws where you're talking about fire department, you're talking about different education requirements, and you're talking about police forces. So maybe when it comes down to police forces, like localizing police, depends on what it's acting specifically. Nick, any guess? As far as powers that the, the, the federal government doesn't have, jeez. Um, I, I would probably be thinking along the same lines as Logan. Yeah, you're you're both you're both more or less right. Uh, so the Tenth Amendment reserves anything not discussed in the Constitution to the states. So everything at the local level, police, fire department, community advocates, all that stuff, that has to be done at the local level. Um, all right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, states' rights and freedom and all that good stuff. So freedom happy it is. Fourth. Happy Fourth of July! Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll just cheers every time we think of the word freedom. <laughs> I like that. I like that rule. Um, let's see. <laughs> this is a good question. Who is the governor in your state right now? <laughs> Evers. So currently, I'm still registered to vote in Tennessee because I'm military. I moved around a little bit, so I actually don't know if North Carolina. Uh, for Tennessee, it's Governor Bill Lee. He actually happens to be a family friend. Grew up going to school with his kids, so I can answer that one appropriately. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm still registered to vote in Wisconsin too, so Evers is correct for me. But uh, I know Governor uh, Northam here in uh, Virginia is the the incumbent. Okay, but who are your senators? Well, from Wisconsin, where I'm registered, would be Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson. From yeah. Virginia, I have no idea. <laughs> There you go. I'm, again, Tennessee, Marshall Blackburn and Lamar Alexander, I believe. Um, that That's one thing. I, I was just talking to Sawyer the, the last podcast. That's one thing I really wish we could do better is it's like we all know who the president is. We all know who the secretary of state is because it's all over the news. It's just like bombarded 
uh, on social media and, and, you know, it's like almost like a celebrity type game, but I almost wish we knew better who our older people were, our city council, the people our who actually live. Representatives. Yeah. The people that actually work and live in our own city, but we don't, we don't care. No one turns up to vote for those elections. Mm-hmm. And I would tend to agree. And I'd say that's totally personal opinion. Um, one of the failures of a lot of people I've met over the years, they show up to vote for federal elections. Um, thinking it's going to change everything at the local level voting for a person they're expecting to make those changes when those local representatives when you're voting for the house you're voting for your senators you're voting for your governor your mayors those are the votes that are going to influence you the most and a lot of people like you said they're the voting (laughs) it's it doesn't happen on those days right yeah and i I think the information too that like yeah for whatever reason we don't our local news stations, even themselves, fail to to get the word out on on what like a, a stance is, or if there's a debate. A lot of town halls happen, but it's like at your local library, and there's like a, a pamphlet on on a local light pole that you have to walk by. Otherwise, you'll never know that it's even happening. Yeah, and you never see any of that stuff going around. Even in even really in the news, it's kind of an afterthought. Right. Agreed. But this part is because it doesn't sell on the news. When it's, you're going to have to focus on your own self interest, people are going to have to take pride in it themselves and kind of move towards that. And it's going to be, I think, a generational shift. I think it's going to start happening. We have younger, younger people who are taking more of an interest in politics, more of an interest in the realities of what's going on outside and the, whether it's the economy or the political shift between countries or just social justice at the local level, depends on how far you want to take that. But (laughs) right. Um, Okay. So I scroll through a couple of these. Some of these questions are really dumb or loaded i'm i'm just just for for transparency's sake i'm reading this document and two questions back to back number 59 and 60 who lived in america before the europeans arrived and there's two answers (laughs) yeah that's what i would say right but there's two answers one answer is american indians and the other answer is native americans maybe they're just giving two possible answers that both apply i suppose that if you if you say it's a study guide more than a than an actual test it maybe it's not a trick question maybe you're right logan yeah that could be that could be the other one the other one is asking uh which group of people was taken to america and sold as slaves and it has africans and then people from africa i yeah i'm that's thinking gotta, that's, that's where it's going so, with it. <laughs> that, that's gotta be what it yeah. is because i was so i just gla- i'm glad that i talked about that with you guys i was glancing through and i was like what the hell kind of test is this <laughs> if i need both of those answers i'm definitely gonna fail <laughs> that's a test i can get behind <laughs> all right uh, uh okay here's a good one why did the colonists fight the british so multiple different reasons i think the biggest which of which was taxation without representation and individual rights within the colonies being governed by a parliament from across the ocean that they we were, didn't we have any more, say in. We were more of coffee drinkers than tea drinkers. <laughs> and now whiskey drinkers. Exactly. Uh, so it gives, it gives three answers. Uh, high taxes, taxation without representation, as you said, uh, because the British army stayed in their houses, so quartering, which is why we have that amendment in our constitution because we were so mm-hmm. appalled by that and uh, because they didn't have self-government they were a monarchy they thought the the, the, t- the top of the top knew everything and, and how to dictate what to do uh, 
let's see. Well, I'm going to go over here because I also have these cool little flashcards. I'm going to see if we know this because I don't know any of these uh -oh. answers. Yeah. <laughs> this will be fun. Oh, here we go. Which See, I won't know this. Which first lady refused to be an honorary chairperson of the educational program Project Head Start? Hmm. Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be recent, right? Yeah, let's just throw out names. <laughs> or Michelle Obama. Nope. No, I feel like she would have gone for that, actually. She'd be a huge advocate. Right. So... When when was that? Um... Are, we, are we just going to start going backwards and just in reverse order <laughs> from current? Or... <laughs> So, Project Head Start. I'm gonna look. I'm not sure when it started. I should know. I'm the education major guy. Uh, oh, it was founded in 1965. So that gives you kind of a idea. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm drawing a total blank. If we're going back that far, first ladies are not the thing that pops into my head. <laughs> <laughs> Any it guess, wouldn't, Nick? wouldn't be Hillary Clinton, would it? Nope. Okay. A former teacher and journalist, Lady Bird Johnson, the wife of LBJ, uh, said she would only serve as a chairperson if she could be actively involved. In fact, in 2005, Head Start celebrated its 40th anniversary. In that time, more than 23 million children benefited from the program. Hmm. So, there you go. Learn new <laughs> so she said no... Day. So she said no because they wouldn't let her actively participate. Is that Apparently. what I got off that? Because so, yeah, because it was an honorary chairperson, and she refused the honorary chairperson job. She wanted to actually be a person in the Good organization. Yeah, taking a stance. Um. All right. So I'll. Uh, I'm gonna ask one more from the citizenship test. This is actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. There, um, which Logan and I are grateful for. <laughs> yeah. You guys can both be citizens. That was actually going to be the, the the fun little tidbit at the end of this this podcast that the NSA agent was going to pop on and, and denounce your citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> you are no longer Americans. Uh So uh, what what's one role that Benjamin Frank Franklin was famous for? There's a, a list of them, but one role, official role. Official Not, role. Not not Fisher uh, role? yeah, not discoverer of electricity or, or kite flyer. Not well, I was kite gonna, flyer. I was gonna so go with postmaster. letter writer. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say postmaster. So he had the official uh, duty of postmaster. I ended up it was probably three years ago. I got on a super history kick, started reading about the founding fathers, read his biography, um, and then I forgot like ninety nine percent of it. But I do remember <laughs> that he was one of the first postmasters in America. Yeah, so he, uh, you're both right. So he was a diplomat. He obviously went to France a lot and had lots of uh, um, unspoken things going on over in France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was quite the ladies' man over there, apparently, allegedly. Uh, he's the oldest member of the Constitutional Convention. Uh, he was the first Postmaster General of the U.S. He was the writer of the Poor Richard Almanac, and he oh, started yeah. the... Yeah, and he he also started the first free libraries, so the first public uh, libraries. Hmm. And, and and as we know from National Treasure, he also yep. wrote the 
the silence do <laughs> is it do good yeah silence do good letters and did he create the fancy glasses was that him too i think it might have been i think so because yeah because he was an inventor so that was definitely him yep yep i I, I, I used to aspire to be uh, Nicholas Cage's character as much as he knew about history off the co- top of his head. He was named after Ben Franklin. He's like, I love it. <laughs> and now Some we've got two National it. Treasure references in one podcast, Alan. Oh, th- there'll be more, I hope. That's the goal. There's another least. podcast right there. National <laughs> Treasure. National Treasure. Yeah, we'll do a watch party. The National Treasure <laughs> Drinking Game. It's one of my favorite drinking games. I've only ever done it once out of the, or completed it once out of the five times I've tried. What's the, uh, is What's it, the drink keyword? Every... Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of rules. I'd have to pull up the uh, the rules again to, to see it, but it was a very unpleasant experience all five of the times that I tried. <laughs> wow. And you went back to it four more times, just... You don't learn, do you? I had to. I had to finish it. I finished it the fifth time. Finished okay, the movie okay. on number five. Now I'll never do it again. <laughs> what were you drinking? Uh, you know, I think I probably foolishly started with some sort of hard liquors for a couple of those, uh, but then mostly beer to finish those last couple off. I think. I think. Okay. I, I think. I think. I finished it on Miller Lights. That's, so we did learn something. I did okay. learn something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, last one, and we'll just go off on a, a whiskey tangent and talk about other stuff. But uh, who was the first Republican candidate for president? Oh. So it's the election of 1856, and uh, President James Buchanan defeated this guy. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I'm being honest, uh, it goes back to candidates and not actual presidents. There's no way. I know, like, I got a general idea because my eighth grade teacher made me learn the song where I had to go through all the names and like do the ups and downs. But candidates, no way. <laughs> you no, know, I'm I'm with you. I like that. I don't. I used to know. I even th- even vice presidents sometimes. It's like I don't. I know maybe the last five. I can't. And then a, like a peppered of some popular ones back in the day. But um, so James Buchanan won as a Democrat. Uh, John C. Fremont or Fremont. Um, he was a Republican from California. Couldn't answer that question, but I will tell you that 1856 is the year that's on the front of the Uncle Nearest bottle that I love. Yes. Yes. That, that's actually my backup <laughs> whiskey. Look at that transition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. like that. <laughs> that that's actually my backup whiskey is the 1884 Uncle Nearest. Um, there you go. But uh, I haven't had the 56 yet. So it's just a little bit different. The 84 is a little bit sweeter uh, to me. Everything's a, again taste is a hundred percent subjective when it comes to whiskey. But 1884 was a bit over honeyed for me. So the 1856 rounded it out and gave it some more of those traditional Tennessee whiskey flavors. A little bit of that nuttiness to it that I really enjoy. Yeah, I've been meaning to pick it up. I know uh, I went to the store. I had both options in front of me, and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna go with the more expensive one because I'm feeling, I'm feeling like spending some money. <laughs> Sometimes you're just feeling frisky, you know. That, that's right. Which I, that's a, that's an interesting question. Maybe you know the answer to this. Why there's not too much of a difference to, to either of them, except for maybe the proof and the flavor. What's the, is it? Is it the aging? Is it the small batch aspect? Why is it so much different in price? 
So I'm actually not sure. Um, it's something I'd love to be interested or I am very interested in. I'd love to look up and talk about. So my best guess is that it's very similar to the way that a lot of other distillers do their products. When you look at things like Knob Creek, you have all the different Knob Creeks and then you have the bakers and the bookers. And technically it's all the same thing. It just depends on which part of the warehouse and which barrel. Totally different flavor profiles, even though they're technically the same whiskey. Right. So I was going to ask, ask you guys this question because it popped in my head when I was talking. We were talking about uh, Fremont. Fremont? It has a little tilde over the E, so I'm not really sure if it's – is it French? Um, Fremont. Uh, <laughs> I like the way you say that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whiskey talking. <laughs> um, one thing I've been, I've been bothered by, and I, I don't mean to get political here for just, just for a quick second – what do you think about this constant argument people have about like, like the Democrats versus the Republicans, and then they always say like, well, the Republicans are the ones who freed the slaves and were you know pro civil rights and whatnot up until the Democrats then took up civil rights in the '60s. It's like the part that everyone says the parties flipped. It doesn't even matter. Is that isn't that like a moot point? Like, oh well, back in the day, the Democrats supported the KKK, but that's a whole different time period with different people. I, I don't. So I, it's frustrating. No, I would agree with you entirely. To me, the whole concept that fills politics right now with the two-party system, I think, is garbage. Because uh, half the people in America at this point, and again, entirely based on opinion, I, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or say how people tend to react to certain things, but it seems to me from an outside perspective that people vote based on the party system. They don't vote based on viewpoints. They don't vote based on anything other than it's a Democrat or Republican. It's us versus them argument versus what are the actual issues? What are these presidents trying to do? What did the prior one do? If they even know the answer to that question outside of what made the news. And then they just go to the polls based on that. And it's, it's destroying the integrity of the electoral system for me. Uh, I, I definitely think it's, it's moot um, just in the sense that the people that were the people that were around back then are no longer here. The party itself has made a transition. Whether they, whether you you want to say they flipped, or or they started to, or they just changed their viewpoints accordingly with the times, I don't know. Um, but I definitely don't think that it would be really relevant to talk about. Oh, the the Republicans were the ones that freed the slaves when after everything that's gone that's gone on in the last. 50 years now. Yeah. All, no, the way, I, all the way up to right now. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, and I also think that it, it, it like almost like what Logan just said, it's a distraction to actual issues. You're just, you're just playing the stupid team sport and you're trying to, you're trying to one up and use the straw man argument to win for your side rather than actually have an honest conversation about what's going on in this country. Um, and we all know there's a lot going on in this country. Hence, uh, <laughs> hence me starting a podcast where I just drink whiskey and talk shit. Yeah, are murder are murder hornets still a thing? Just out of curiosity, is that just <laughs> they're, like they're lurking? Away? They're lurking. Okay, when Waiting you least expect comeback? them, when you least expect them, <laughs> it's more like a September thing now. They twenty twenty pushed it back. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're gonna there's gonna be resurgence as soon as as soon as COVID spikes stop happening. <laughs> murder hornets are gonna come out of the woodwork. Yeah, the murder the like murder hornets real the murder hornets realized that 
is that we, we flattened it for a little bit and then they came out and now it's going back up. So they're just pulling it back in a little bit. Freedom. <laughs> biding, <laughs> biding their time. Have either of you uh, watched Hunger, Hunger Games? The I have, but one. not since they came out. So do you remember the, the concept was like the, there's a game maker who's who's making all the things happen in the in the actual games and there's like a a bunch of crazy things that happen like a fog and and creatures and whatnot and he's basically controlling it from a computer desk in this dome controlled area. Uh, it's mainly to try and weed out the the guys that are probably hiding or or the you know the players that are trying not to just be part of it. So they they it's like well if you're not going to play they want to kill you or you make you run into another player and. So basically, it... it's like a very super high stakes version of Dave Castro. Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the real question is, who's our 2020 game master? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> who, who, who is doing this? Hmm. Now, listen, I, I made this argument to my buddy earlier today. I was texting him about all this crazy stuff going on, and I'm like, you know what? This all started with Harambe being shot. <laughs> I I put all of the blame on that one zookeeper or security guard or whoever the hell shot that gorilla. Downhill spiral uh, from there. It's been yep, it's been downhill since then. So the, if you if you want to point a finger, I, I encourage you to join me <laughs> in my rally. Butterfly Every- effect is real. Just ask Askin Kutcher. Whatever his name is. The dude who owns Twitter, you know? Ashton. I always mess that word up. Does Ashton Kutcher own Twitter? I think so. Or he's one of the major owners. You Isn't know who's that our... a fun fact? Again, useless knowledge. <laughs> you, you know who's our 2020 Game Master? An Austin Powers villain. <laughs> hey, I hope it's Fat Bastard. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a whole... See, I, I've, I've been really wanting to get into, into a debate about all that stuff going on right now with... with you know what's going on with other monuments or whatever, but it's like everything just keeps changing, and mm-hmm. I really I would really hate to have a podcast where we record it and then it's like I have a hot take or someone says something and all of a sudden something comes out or something changes and it's like, you know what? It's not even worth getting into because at the end of the day, I think us three have talked about this before. At the end of the day, I just don't want my tax dollars being spent on putting up dumb marble statues, no matter who it is. I don't care. I want like just fix fix my roads. How about that? Right. <laughs> Send Milwaukee some of that some of that sweet sweet statue money to fix our <laughs> gigantic potholes up here. No, Milwaukee's mm-hmm. got a problem with your trolley. So that, that's <laughs> <laughs> Logan, you don't know about this. So so Milwaukee no. Alan loves to rag on the trolley. <laughs> oh, it's here okay. we go. I'll have my rag in a second. <laughs> so Milwaukee City, the city of Milwaukee, which is obviously in Milwaukee County. Uh, is run by uh, Mayor Tom Barrett. Um, the city of Milwaukee has been democratically run and sometimes socialist run in the past uh, for the better part of the, the last century. Um, also, Milwaukee is the most segregated city in the nation. It has lots of issues, lots of crime issues, lots of uh, public transportation issues. So there's a lot of ghettos that have been you know, people of color have been redlined into areas because white people did not want to live with them, and uh, banks were using predatory uh, loans or discrimination with with housing loans, and basically just forcing segregation to happen. Uh, horrible, disgusting, terrible. But Milwaukee has not 
fix that. And now there are ghettos and areas in, in urban Milwaukee that don't have proper transit going to places that actually have jobs and infrastructure because all the industrial like welding and steel and whatnot in Milwaukee and, and all the, the ports where you're having oil and, and, and trade and whatnot from back in the day come into the port of Milwaukee. That's all gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So nothing's in walking distance or, or biking or, or, or short driving distance. You have to actually go to some of the suburbs that are outside of the, the, the urban city of Milwaukee. But there's not, not any proper transit or reliable transit that operates on a, a, a good schedule. So what does Milwaukee do with a, a trans, transportation grant that's given to them by the state that's also partially funded by the federal government? They build, build a, trolley. a trolley. Yeah. They build a trolley down, like, it's like a mile and a half stretch down the middle of uh, downtown. Like, if you were to come visit Milwaukee, it would be the tourist part of Milwaukee to visit all the shops and whatnot. And uh, it goes, like, I don't know, 30 miles an hour, maybe. It looks like a fake bullet train. And it they actually, they tore up <laughs> they tore up the old uh, trolley rails from, like, 1958 when the... the the old trolley had existed before when trolleys actually were needed for public transportation or served a purpose. Now it's just a novelty. So Mm -hmm. my biggest problem is the fact that Milwaukee thought it was a good investment to build a trolley rather than having more bus systems or uh, just better transportation in general. Uh, And it's, and and I speaking as somebody who took the bus for four and a half years, they could do a better job with that for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm actually from Nashville. Our yeah. public transportation system is garbage in its own way. Um, not to mention the fact that we have two major interstates that run around the capital that everybody uses, and they're backed up past high heaven at this point pretty much every day. And they tried to finally fix a piece of the roads because it's starting to break down. It took them two years. Absolutely absurd. So their solution to downtown is let them put in electric scooters everywhere. <laughs> worst thing that ever happened in Asheville. <laughs> I, I was actually, I think you actually, yeah, I had, I was going to hit my rag moment. You think you might've actually mentioned this on a previous podcast, or it might've just been in one of our random conversations being from there. You talked about statues and tearing them down the Nathan Bedford forest statue that sits on the side of the interstate in Nashville that I drove past every day on the way to work. My entire four year stint to college. <laughs> That's that's what we have to deal with, but I'm pretty sure it's on private land. So there's nothing anybody can do about it. <laughs> you, you know, it. Oh my God, it's that just statue! Terrible. That statue is. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was on when I was talking about it with, uh, I think it was with Grant. Uh, but it was the it mm-hmm. was the Gone with the Wind conversation. I think. Yes, that's what it was. No, it was with Curtis. Maybe I listened to both of them while I was mowing my lawn. I'll be totally honest. <laughs> I think it was with Curtis at the so at the end. I was telling Curtis about the the Nathan Bedford Forest statue and and uh, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's whole it it, it 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 disproves white supremacy because this guy looks like an idiot. <laughs> it looks like you took a statue and you made like a wax mold, but then it partially melted before you hit the metal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I yeah. yeah. That's that's so there's, rough. There's Nashville and my public transportation because I have to drive past that every day going to work on the interstate <laughs> while I was growing up. So yeah, could you be know, worse. I I was just <laughs> I was just in Nashville uh, last September, I think. No, the year before that September, because I moved out here yeah. last September. Um, 
and I we <laughs> we were waiting for a buddy to fly in. So me and a couple of buddies uh, had had dro- driven down from Milwaukee to Nashville. It's about seven hour drive, and we got an Airbnb. We we're just gonna have a fun time in the in the city, and you know on on Broadway and all that all that fun touristy stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you love that as a as a native. <laughs> um, but so yeah, we were waiting for a buddy to fly in because he couldn't drive down with us the same day. So we got settled in our Airbnb. We went out to, to the town and uh, we parked our car somewhere. And we decided we were going to get a couple scooters. And we, we we rode all around, all the way up to the state capitol and all around just having fun. But, man, I have never seen – I mean, Milwaukee has it. D.C. has it here bad around the National uh, the national Mall and the monuments and whatnot. But Nashville is littered with them. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And they don't really it have any – It got crazy over the past couple of years. They don't really have any, like, place to where you can actually set the scooter – like, park the scooters. You just, like – no, it's just side on the, the side of the road wherever you feel uh, like stopping. Well, a lot of those scooters too, um, they like the companies themselves will pay people to haul them away at night, charge them overnight, and then haul them back and drop them off at X place. That's the way they do it in Milwaukee anyway. I've seen people driving around in pickup trucks, grabbing 10 scooters and, and dropping a bunch of them off later. Yeah, my... I wish it was like that. I think that might be how they get charged in between. Um mm-hmm. But they're generally just left on the side of the street in Nashville. And I don't know if you've ever seen Nashville. So they said you went there, you went downtown. Essentially going into downtown in the main strip, there's a giant uphill, a peak, and a giant downhill. So you're talking about little electric scooters and thousands of drunk people going 30 miles an hour. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. So Milwaukee actually had Nick. You might remember this. Milwaukee had an, a couple incidents when they first allowed Bird, which is the one of the top brands, mm-hmm. to come into Milwaukee. And I guess someone got hurt because they were crossing over the the I don't know if it was a train track or the newly installed trolley track. Um, <laughs> yeah, somebody got hit by a car, right? Someone got hit, hit by, by a car. Did somebody yeah. get hit by the trolley on a scooter too? I think so. I think so. I, I hope I hope so. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I know that somebody got hit by somebody on a scooter got hit by a car on Marquette's campus too. Uh, I don't know if it was a bird or whenever that happened, um, but yeah, there there were a number of accidents. Um, well, that I recall the straw that broke the camel's back for Bird, and and it 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 caused Milwaukee to pass legislation to ban them for a certain amount of time. Now they're back, but. Uh, this guy who was going on his bird, he was going like 25 miles an hour down the sidewalk, which you're not supposed to do. And and bird, I mean, to be fair, a lot of these companies that are, you know, on the scooter companies, they have warning labels and tell you what to do. And you have to wear a helmet and you have to do abide by all these things. But humans are humans. They're going to do whatever the hell they want. Um, the Fourth of July episode, freedom. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, no, that, that this person was going on the sidewalk and I guess ran into a pregnant lady. And Ooh. she fell over, and I don't know if she hit her head or, or something. It was enough to put her in the hospital, and I think she was fine. But it uh, it caused the mayor to to hammer down and say, "Nope, no more in our city. We're going to reevaluate this." So it's interesting because it's a private business providing transportation in a city that has crap transportation to begin with. It's an interesting debate because you know the capitalist part of me is like, 
hey, that's pretty awesome. It's just like Uber. Like, that's pretty awesome. You're going to mm-hmm. you're gonna have the bad guys. You're going to have just like cars. We own our cars, and you're going to have that idiot who drives like an idiot, and something bad's going to happen, but you can't ban cars because that happens. So maybe would it be good for cities to invest in uh, encouraging private industry like these scooter companies and put up more, like, bike-slash-scooter lanes? Yeah, I know, I know West Dallas has been doing a lot. Uh, on pretty much all the major roads in West Dallas now, you can see, except for Highway 100, you can see um, some sort of bike lane. Uh, I know Milwaukee's been doing a lot of that too with the bike lanes here. Uh, and I think that'd be a beautiful compromise for a lot of those cities because especially every kid grows up, I mean, where at least where I'm from, I know there are exceptions, but most kids grow up learning how to ride a bike. So if you, even if you have an electric bike, most people are going to know generally how to use them. You put most people on a scooter where the first time they may be riding one of those is drunk downtown and hundreds of people around. It's just not a good mixture. Right, bikes, you might be a little more safe. You're a little bit more in control, knowledgeable. Maybe muscle memory kicks in, but it might be somewhere in between there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I mean... I don't know. I, I tend I, t- I tend to be too optimistic when it comes to people and how they operate things. I, I would like to think that the general populace knows how to ride a scooter without running into people on the on the sidewalk. Oh no, yeah, I'm the no. same way. <laughs> <sighs> That's it's tough. I have very little faith in most people. <laughs> <laughs> My boss continually tells me that I give people too much credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I hate to say that... I'm a pessimist. Every pessimist says they're a realist. I like to think I'm a realist, but I don't know. Well, that 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 harkens back to Grant and I were talking about Gone, Gone with the Wind, and we were we were kind of saying, you know, it's kind of it feels like a hand holding gesture to like, we're going to start to censor or just put a disclaimer on a, a movie because it has problematic depictions of things that are inaccurate or 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 or, or further or, or perpetuate racial stereotypes or whatever. And him and I asked the question at the end of the podcast where we were ragging on Gone with the Wind and how this is bullshit and you know we shouldn't be doing this. It's like maybe we're not giving. Or maybe we're giving the audience too much credit. Maybe they're just too dumbed and they need a disclaimer. I don't know. I mean, it's, inter- it's an interesting question, right? <laughs> it's an interesting question and a definite possibility. The amount of people I know who take their actual historical facts from movies is too many. Pretty high. But National yeah. Treasure. National Treasure has too, a lot of it. <laughs> I suppose we all count in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Here's a good compromise. Uh, so... I've often joked with with people. It's like you know, in my my personal selfish little world where you know we could decide and dictate what we want things to how things to happen. It's like we have a litmus test for people who like if you're gonna have a kid, you should probably know how to do this and this and this. If you're gonna vote, you should probably know what you're voting for. Obviously, in a democratic society in the real world, I am not for any kind of restriction like that. Obviously, but. Uh, maybe a litmus test would be if you are the type of person who wears a mask in your car by yourself <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or someone who knows or, or uh, who supports or uh, helped create that Nathan Bedford Forest statue in Nashville. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be anywhere near a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> and your citizenship might be revoked because you can't pass the test. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's that's what we're gonna we're gonna base this off of. Oh man! Yeah, it all goes back to scooters of capitalism. Nathan Bedford Forrest statues, free speech. It's, and shout it's out one to of the, the things NSA that you agent. might. 
Yeah. yeah. Might be part of one podcast. of the things you argue about, but at the same time, you can argue all you want about this, but it's one of the things that makes America beautiful. That's true. In its own way. That's true. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm an ardent defender of, of free speech. I, I work for a place that, that defends free speech, you know, tooth and nail. I, I, I really think it's a cornerstone of this country. Um, I do think that speech, free speech, and, and the freedom to use how your speech however you want to does come with a couple responsibilities as, as a society. Um, but I, I don't think those responsibilities should be regulated or enforced by the government. I think that should be a, a cultural shift that we as a community you know, can better create through education, through understanding, through storytelling, through whatever we can do, uh, through whiskey drinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but especially through whiskey drinking, especially through whiskey drinking. But, you know, the, the point, the point stands, you, you know, we, we have to be careful how we, you know, if we have a platform like right now, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have, we have Instagram, all these things that we can just say whatever we want. And there's a lot of people out there who would never uh, think twice about posting or typing or commenting or whatever, some horrible derogatory thing, because they're a screen warrior who can hide behind a screen and say whatever the hell they want. But that interpersonal relationship is lost. It's like your your ability to give free speech in a in a world full of information is so heightened. But your ability to actually converse uh, converse I'm gonna say conversate. I don't think it's a word. Converse. 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 Converse with someone and actually discuss the issues. Uh, that's that's almost lost on us. And I think, as much as I don't want there to be regulatory action to make that happen, I I really hope that we understand that that's where we need to be. Uh, it's tough. It's it. I, I want full freedom. I want everyone to do whatever the hell they want. But I also don't want us to go down the hole of like not caring about each other and caring about other people's you know thoughts and feelings and perceptions and whatnot. Like I don't want to. I don't want to get into the place where we're we're just gonna put up a Nathan Bedford Forest statue on my private property because I have the freedom to do so. Ha ha ha. Here I go. Like that's not what that should be. That's that's. But I also don't want to stop it with law. No, it's, and I would tend to agree with you. So I'd say it just goes back and forth. And I'm probably of the very unpopular opinion that would be Facebook is a private company. Twitter's a private company. If they want to censor, if they want to change something, if they want to do whatever they want to, they are fully within their rights to do so. Those methods of expression, those ideas that people get behind, those people that want to be either trolls or social justice warriors, whatever side you want to be on, those platforms are a privilege. They're not necessarily... Your freedom of speech is a right. But your freedom to use those platforms which are given to you by a private company is a privilege. So I think people would be within full rights to say, this requires an IQ test to get a Facebook. I think it'd be a brilliant idea. <laughs> That's just me, and I barely post on Facebook with the exception of using it for bourbon. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same the same way as you logan uh i want to give a shout out to alan real fast because as as alan you know that i very rarely use facebook i don't think i posted anything in the last five years uh but whenever i see you you posting stuff and you going on uh and in your comment section uh you are the exception to people using facebook to to belittle people and to attack people. Everything that I see you put up there is very, um, educational. It's very educational. It's very well thought out. 
and in no way is it meant to attack or hurt anybody. So I think just the way that you use social media is the way that I wish everybody was able to use it. Yeah, I I appreciate that, and that that's that's kind of the reason why I started this podcast. That 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 you know, it's like I, I I'm not interested in in being famous or making any money or off that. I I'm interested in just talking, and it, like even if it's just with my 400 friends on Facebook, and I we get into a comment a comment war about something, and it's like you know what, so much intonation and 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 nuance is lacking in a comment thread where I really don't want to sit here and type four paragraphs. I really don't want to sit here and read your four paragraphs. Uh, so how about we like, give me a call. Even like, if we're not going to do a podcast, give me a call, text me. How about, how about we do this like the old fashioned way and actually talk like human beings rather than on a public space, you're accusing me or confronting me in a way that is, it feels like you're just coming at me about something that you, that you're reading too much into a, a shared post about something. So part of the reason I, I did this podcast is like, you know what? I want to have and find those interesting comment threads. And it's like, you know what? All right. So we disagree and, and we're not going to get anywhere. I'm not going to read your, your novel of a, of, a, of a text. Come on my podcast. Let's, let's actually have a conversation about this because it's interesting. It's fun. I think it could be educational. I, I, I am really against belittling or assuming of anything of anybody. You know, that one Facebook post for one shouldn't be a written in stone idea that you think that you know it's like you're oh that person obviously is a trump supporter or that person obviously doesn't like trump or that person obviously is a biden supporter x y or z and therefore their opinion is forever uh in stone and can never be changed like that's not fair you, you like let's have a conversation about it because there's so much more to it and i agree and i think the public just general use of a. Uh... Facebook and Twitter and other things has been a lot of times now reposting articles from someone else rather than presenting your own ideas, rather than having a conversation. It's you post a meme, you post an article, people get their ideas their And a lot of times their anger from reposted things from other people, rather than reading into it, forming an opinion themselves, going forward, having conversation with other people about it. And like I said, like he said, that's one of the reasons I love your podcast. We don't have to agree. Right. It's, it's with your post, whether it's anything else, you can have those conversations. I can disagree with you. And that's, again, part of freedom of speech. It's part of what makes America great is I don't have to agree with you. There's an electoral system. If I don't agree with you on political issues, there's freedom of religion. If we have different religions and they don't match up or our morals, ethics, values aren't the same. And I think that's what's missing with a lot of those people is the willingness to have a conversation. It's post an article and then fight you about why that's wrong and start a message screaming match about why some person is uneducated, even though it's literally nothing that they said because they just reposted an article, which they probably didn't read all the way through, if we're being honest. Right. Well, that, and, that's, and that's another problem, too, that I have is a lot of people share an article because of the headline. Mm-hmm. And the, the headline, the headline is usually clickbait. Yeah, I mean, it's all catchy titles to get clicks for your website nowadays. Yep, CNN does it, Fox does it, MSNBC does it, and then all of the online exclusive uh, outlets do it too. Daily Wire, The Blaze, all of them. Conservative, liberal, it doesn't matter. Um, it's frustrating too because I, I – this is a good example. The, the, the Supreme Court ruling that just – there's actually a few that just came down. So 
the Supreme Court ruling on uh, LGBTQ discrimination came down in favor of, of you know, not discriminating against them. Uh, there was another one that came out yesterday, which was uh, in Montana, The a bunch of, uh, I think it was like three or four moms that were suing. It was a class action Supreme Court case that basically w- were upset or challenging the fact that a, a parochial school system uh, was denied funding um, from the government because the government itself is, is usually anti-school choice. And people on the left argue that, well, it's separation of church and state, so the government and public tax dollars should not be funding any religious school. But on the right, they argue that, well, religious schools are still schools and they, they still serve children and children need education and therefore everyone should have a piece of the pie. And now you have both of those camps who already have their heels dug into their own ideas. They already think the, they, they think that the evil school choice is anti-public school and that the, and then school choice thinks that you know the public school is evil too. And here I'm sitting, you know, I, I have a master's in education policy, and I, I studied a lot of urban education and, and, and a lot of higher education stuff. And I, I've, I've, I had professors that were very, very, very liberal and were, were interested in talking about critical race theory and, and putting people in boxes and, and teaching in certain ways that weren't practical. But it's like, why, why are we all enemies of, of each other? Why can't we sit down at the table and say, how about we talk about education that's beneficial for the whole. Isn't it, isn't it for the kids to begin with? Like it doesn't matter if it's a Catholic or Christian or Jewish school. If they're, if they're learning about Abraham Lincoln and the civil war and, and in the American revolution and whatnot, why does it matter if they also have a, some church sermons on Sunday? They, they are going to grow up in a society that allows for freedom of religion and they can discern for themselves. I mean, we, I, I, I don't know. No, and I would I would tend to agree with you. Again, I think it falls into the exact same profile as the two-party system in government. And unfortunately, the current political like stigma, whatever you want to call it, whether that be about education, whether it be about politics, whether that be about ethics, it's always us versus them. There's no there's no middle ground. It's and he that's said, the she thing said. that's making it hard. It's he said she said, and I think in my opinion and like i said social media can be a beautiful thing it can be informational it can be incredible but it's become so much of that movement to make opponents of everyone right um where compromise has entirely gone out the window because people don't have to compromise on so many issues anymore because they can make their voices known there can be a movement they can influence based on social media presence and getting enough people behind it pretty much any idea and it's creating this system where, to me, like I said, you can almost do anything you want to and <laughs> without having to compromise, which compromise is part of the whole point. It's the reason we have, again, Fourth of July, it's, it's the reason we have amendments. Right. There are amendments to the Constitution because one way doesn't always work. <laughs> and this is so much more personal, too, than, than like... The, 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 the social media threads of a Facebook post or a Twitter feed, um, that's all very impersonal. Whereas something like a podcast or, or dare I make a comparison to like an in-person debate, um, there, it, it's so much more personal or personal. You, you, you have a, an idea of what they are saying while they're looking at you 
where you're looking at them versus just a profile picture or an article. And I think that makes a lot of difference in terms yeah, you, of the dialogue that you can have. Yeah, you uh, you can read someone's body language. You can read someone's face. You can re- read someone that the the energy they're giving off and how they're using their words. If they have a, if their voice goes higher because they're saying something interesting or they're exactly. being sarcastic. Exactly. You know, you don't you you lose all of that in the comment thread, and that's why I, I get so frustrated. I have so many people who come on, like I'll I'll say something that's bashing Trump, and it's like, whoa, I also don't like Biden. So like, calm down. <laughs> um, no, I, I we could we can go on for for hours about how 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 rough the system is and how uh, social media has an interesting place. I don't know if it's uh, right to say that it's a hundred percent negative. I, I I have a lot of. Mm-hmm. Stay, you know, staying in touch with family, staying in touch with you guys, and having you know chat rooms and talking about whiskey and all that good stuff, but and sharing whiskey. <laughs> um, <laughs> but course. you know, it's a it's an interesting conversation. This is this is the point of of having a podcast and discourse like this. We can flesh out ideas, and this isn't exhaustive. Like something that we said today might we might look at something tomorrow or learn something more and we might, you know, revise our ideas or our opinions and come back together and say, you know what? I was wrong about that. And let's talk about it more. We have to start understanding and celebrating that people can change their opinions and that, that people can change their minds and people are open-minded. We, I think people are more open-minded than we think. I think the problem is we, we come at someone with a more accusatory tone. We say, rather than asking them about like, you know, oh, why, why did you post that? Or what do you think about this? We say, oh, you're just one of those liberals or you're just one of those conservatives. And it's like, oh, my goodness, whoa. How about right. we f- <laughs> flush it out? It's the anonymity that the Internet provides. Even on even with your Facebook friends, you, you have this layer of impersonality where you don't have to you don't have to be you. Right. You, you aren't yourself the same as if, if we're talking to each other right now. Or if you were sitting there in person, right? You have that wall to hide behind. Yep. Yeah. And I'll yeah. bring it full circle. At least try. We're celebrating Fourth of July. We're celebrating Institute. We're celebrating Constitution. We're celebrating all the amendments. And that's the thing that's beautiful to me. I can't agree with you. Whether you want to fight on Facebook or not, if you want to, you go for it. I don't like it because I think it's pointless. But if you want to, you can. Like, and it's one of the things that makes me love where we live and love how we do things is the ability to be able to say, I think you're stupid. You think I'm stupid. And that's okay. The freedom to choose. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I'll, I'll end it with this, this thought and then I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll cheers and, and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end, end this because we're going on, uh, almost an hour and a half, but no, I, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to give a Grant too much of a headache here. But uh, <laughs> shout out to Grant, our amazing producer who who deals with all my shit. Cheers, Cheers Grant. Grant. We, we you, love Grant. you. Um. No, I, I want to say that it, it this country is is amazing, and 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 free and and wonderful, and it has it has allowed so many people to do so amazing things. Now, that does not mean that this country is stain-free. That does not mean this country has a perfect history. That does not mean that we don't have a lot of work to do right now. Um, if all, current events are telling us anything, we, we know that we have a lot of community building to do. Uh, whether we want to disagree or agree about the, the phrase institutional racism, whether, whether we want to agree or disagree about the police 
brutality or law enforcement's place in all this, whether we want to agree or disagree about Trump or Biden, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we live here and this is our place. And a lot of us could use a lot of perspective. There are a lot of countries and places in the world that are suffering from starvation, from, from dehydration, from, I mean, there are uh, Syria and Libya and whatnot throw homosexuals off of the, 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 the tops of buildings and, and stone women in the street for not wearing a hijab or, or for you know walking out in public without their husband's permission. There are a lot of horrible things in the world. And as bad as our country might have had it in the past and as, as egregious as some things might be for our, our own human rights today, it's nothing in comparison to what goes on outside of our country. And I really hope that this 4th of July and, and 2021, after all of 2020, shit show is over, hopefully. <laughs> we can come together and have a more nuanced understanding that we're all in this together. I mean, COVID-19 doesn't play team sports. It doesn't care who you are. It, it, it's go, it, if you get sick, you get sick. We have to make sure we're, we're taking care of each other and, and making sure that we understand that you know everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own path in life and, and, and not... To, to belittle someone if we don't agree with them. If, if they're in misinform, misinformed, then try to educate them. Try to bring them into the conversation and have a more nuanced discussion. That needs to happen more, and that doesn't matter what race, color, creed you are. You have to be willing to have a conversation about these things. They're difficult topics, and it's uncomfortable. That's the point. Be uncomfortable. The reason why the top of the top are the, the you know people who are runners, people who are in the military, people who are in... In, uh, who are a firefighter, they subject themselves to rigorous training that requires them to be uncomfortable all the time. But that's why they're the best at what they do. So treat it like a marathon. Life is a marathon. Get uncomfortable. Train your mind to understand and accept other people and opinions and, and perspectives. That's, that's, the, that's the 4th of July freedom message for you all. <laughs> Cheers so, to that. Cheers. Well said. Uh, so... Thank you guys for coming on. Um, I know we'll do this again. I know we have plans for a, 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 an entire whiskey-filled podcast where we'll go through all the different nuances of whiskey and, and what <laughs> is involved with whiskey itself because it's such a great topic and lots of things to learn about it. But for this, I know we just wanted to have fun, maybe you know, learn a couple of things about our history and uh, hash things out and just talk some shit for 4th of July. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on, Alan. This was really great. Thank you again. Hope to be see you again. Yeah, you bet, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys soon. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, and happy 4th of July. Happy 4th.